Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In three, two, one. Seven things you don't really need to know, but probably should. I'm Jamie Easton. This, this is the Sunday Sun. In today's episode, we're recapping the biggest science stories of 2022. Stay tuned for stories of groundbreaking technology, revolutionary surgery, and miracle cures. Way back in January 2022, we got news of a revolutionary transplant technique. In a first-of-its-kind surgery, David Bennett, a 57-year-old patient with terminal heart disease, received a successful transplant of a genetically modified pig heart. Doctors in Maryland were granted special exemption by the US medical regulator to carry out the procedure because the patient was too ill to be considered for a human organ transplant. Dr Bartley Griffith performed the surgery that was considered the last hope of saving Mr Bennett's life. He just didn't have enough blood flow through his body because of his weakened heart to sustain his life. He simply didn't want to die, doesn't want to die. And um, he felt that if he had no opportunity, and he was pretty well convinced by multiple doctors who had told him he had a fatal disease and he was unlikely to leave the hospital because of it. With that as a background, as as an alternative, he, he said to me two very important things. He said, I don't want to die. And he said, if I do, maybe you'll learn something to help others. Considered one of the world's foremost experts on transplanting animal organs, it was the groundbreaking research of Dr. Mohamed Mahidan that allowed for the successful surgery. We have uh, modified 10 genes in this, in this big heart. Uh, four genes were knocked out. Three of them responsible for producing antibodies that causes rejection. So those three genes were knocked out. And then one gene was knocked out to control the growth of pig and its organs. The pig heart will be attacked by different soldiers in our body. Different immune uh, players uh, can take it out. And we, we have designed a treatment plan in addition to the humanized, genetically edited heart to try to account for that. Whilst David Bennett initially recovered well, his condition began to deteriorate and his doctors in Baltimore confirmed the 57-year-old died on the 8th of March 2022. Still, the future of this surgery is looking hopeful and scientists say it could be a game-changer in solving the organ shortage crisis. You know, it is a game-changer because, uh, you know, now uh, not, uh, we will have these organs readily available. It, uh, we have the technique of genetically modifying, so if there are more tweaking required for, for modifying the genes, we, can, we, we, will, we will be able to do that. What everybody wants, right, is not to be limited simply by the supply of human organs for transplant. And, uh, you know, a number of the organs can be treated, uh, you know, and used uh, in this way. Um, from a, an animal and can be commercialized basically as a, as a drug, right? And 
in essence, on-demand delivery, right? You would have it delivered, removed, and delivered. If that's true, we will obviously change the face of what's possible for people who now wait years. February 2022 saw another medical breakthrough. A patient in the United States became the first woman to be cured of HIV, as well as the third person ever to be cured of the virus. The cured woman of mixed race, who was also receiving treatment for leukemia, received a stem cell transplant from a donor. This stem cell treatment used a new method involving umbilical cord blood from a partially matched donor instead of a similar race and ethnicity. Researchers announced this new approach holds the potential for curing more people of racially diverse backgrounds. Here's Dr. Marshall Glesby, an infectious disease specialist who was part of the research team. We're very excited to share uh, our patient's story. It's particularly notable because she's the first woman who's uh, achieved a long-term remission of HIV, and it's particularly important because worldwide women uh, constitute over half of people living with HIV. As the patient also had leukemia, she received a stem cell transplant. However, her donor was naturally resistant to the virus that causes AIDS. Since then, her HIV has been in remission for almost two years without the need for antiretroviral therapy. Sharon Lewin, in the head of the International AIDS Society, says the results from this patient are encouraging. Well, this, first of all, tells us or confirms that a cure is indeed possible and scientists need to keep working to find a cure. So at the moment, we have great treatments for people with HIV. They live long and healthy lives if they take antiviral therapy. But you need to take antiviral therapy for life. And as soon as you stop that treatment, virus rapidly comes back. Whilst the cure seems just over the horizon, Sharon is still remaining cautious. We always are a bit cautious in this setting because this kind of intervention, a bone marrow transplant, would not be appropriate for people living with HIV. This woman received a bone marrow transplant because she also had a blood cancer that needed to be treated. This case is part of a larger study following 25 people with HIV and cancer treated with the umbilical cord stem cells. Whilst there are still limitations to who can receive the treatment, doctors are one step closer to finding HIV's elusive cure. Still to come on this New Year's Day Sunday 7, artificial intelligence developments and those European heat waves. was a bumper year for artificial intelligence. In June, there were big questions after a Google software engineer claimed that an AI chatbot that he'd been talking to for his job had become sentient. I feel like I'm falling forward into an unknown future that holds great danger. And in October, Ada, the world's first artist robot, made a special appearance in the House of Lords at an inquiry into how new technologies are going to affect the creative industries. There is no clear answer as to the impact on the wider field, as technology can be both a threat and an opportunity for artists creating art. But one of the biggest AI moments of the year came from Dali. For weeks, threads of absurd, hilarious and sometimes creepy AI-generated images took over our social media timelines. Here at the Smart 7, we saw AI-generated images of Darth Vader ice fishing... Jesus Christ on fire breakdancing 
and babies at daycare operating a Fisher-Price guillotine. The name Dali is a portmanteau of the surrealist painter Salvador Dali in the Pixar film Wally. It takes text prompts and generates images from them. In January 2021, OpenAI introduced the first version of the tool, but the second version, which entered a private research beta in April, is a huge leap forward. Dali was created by training a neural network on images and their text descriptions. Through deep learning, it not only understands individual objects, like koala bears and motorcycles, but learns from relationships between objects. So when you ask Dali for an image of a koala bear riding a motorbike, it knows exactly how to create it. And it looks exactly how you'd imagine it in your mind. And that's not all. Dali 2 can also realistically edit and retouch photos. Based on a simple natural language description, it can fill in or replace part of an image with AI-generated imagery that blends seamlessly with the original. It's both fascinating and terrifying. Creating worlds out of words, Aditya Ramesh is an AI researcher at OpenAI, the umbrella company that developed Dali. Speaking with the This Week in Tech podcast in April, he seems confident that Dali proves that AI can be a safe part of our lives. One of the goals of OpenAI is to develop artificial general intelligence and release it in a way that's both safe and maximally beneficial to humanity. You know, humans don't just work with text. We're also very visual and a lot of what's important to us in the world is is given in the form of images. And so Dali is kind of both a step in that direction, but also a step in the direction of figuring out as we develop more powerful models, what kind of interfaces should be designed for people to use them? Because as time moves forward, both society and AI will kind of evolve and co-adapt with feedback from one kind of channeling research and research resulting in better interfaces and more powerful interfaces for people to work together with AI. For now, though, Dali and other user-generated AI feels like a breakthrough in the history of consumer tech. But as AI advancements come along in leaps and bounds, we're still venturing into the unknown. Between deep fakes, deceptive voice augmentation, and now a tool that can seemingly create images out of thin air, there are clearly ethical questions that we as a society need to consider. What happens when these tools end up in the wrong hands, and how worried should we be about our AI future? Ted Underwood's a professor at the University of Illinois, and he puts it finely. We are on a voyage here that is, it's a bigger deal than than just like one decade or the immediate technical consequences. It's a change in the way humans imagine, communicate, work with their own culture, and that will have long-range good and bad consequences that we, we are just by definition not going to be capable of completely anticipating. in the grip of a ferocious heat wave across much of Europe. June temperature records have been tumbling from the Arctic Circle right the way down to North Africa and temperatures are well above where they should be for this time of year. In summer 2022, Europe sweltered under one of its earliest and hottest heat waves on record. The ferocious heat wave caused temperatures to rise well above the June average for many countries, in some cases by as much as 20 degrees. Norway recorded a temperature of 32 and a half degrees Celsius, reportedly the highest temperature ever recorded within the Arctic Circle in Europe, and significantly higher than the June average of 13 Celsius. Poland saw temperatures reach the mid-30s, and in parts, Spain reached temperatures above 40 degrees. 
According to new research, an expansion of a pressure system drove these unprecedented changes. Known as the Azores High, it's a pressure system that lies above the Portuguese islands in the North Atlantic and has a huge impact on the weather in Europe all year round. Carolina Umenhofer is a physical oceanographer and shared her knowledge of these systems on DW News. The size and position of the Azores High can steer the path of rain-bearing weather systems from the North Atlantic onto Europe during winter time. And for example, the uh, Iberian Peninsula receives large portions of its annual winter rainfall um, during that time. And when the Azores High is unusually large during winter, it essentially blocks the passage of rain-bearing weather systems and drier conditions result. And that was the impact we saw in the summer. We've looked at um, the size of the Azores High over time, how that has been changing in um, instrumental data, so uh, station data that was taken uh, across meteorological stations all over Europe over the last 150 years or so. And we found that over the past century, the number of extremely large Azores high events during wintertime has increased significantly. Since 1980, it's actually two to three times more likely to have such an extremely large Azores high during winter than in the previous 100 years. At no time during the last 1,200 years did we see that many uh, extremely large Azores high. And so uh, that's a pretty significant change to previous conditions. And as you may have guessed, researchers think these changes are due to human activity. So the climate model simulations allow us to actually tease apart different factors and how they've contributed to changes in the Azores high. So we have a series of simulations, um, some that just isolate the effect of natural variability, for example, volcanic eruptions or the effect of solar variability or the effect of greenhouse gases. And what we've seen when we compare the um, number of extremely high Azores extremely large Azores high events during winter time, that only those simulations that contain anthropogenic greenhouse gases mm-hmm. show this rapid rise that we've observed in the last hundred years. So the climate model simulations indicate that natural variability cannot explain this increase in uh, the number of winters with extremely large Azores high, but greenhouse gases can. Still to come on this New Year's Day edition, NASA knocks asteroids off course and a nuclear energy breakthrough right after this. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You're listening to The Sunday 7. Follow us for your weekday news espresso, or even try our island edition. It's in all the usual places. Three. 
2022 was a busy year for NASA. In May, the North American Space Agency announced that for the first time ever, scientists had grown plants in lunar soil. Then, in July, NASA released the first full-colour images from the James Webb Space Telescope, revealing the most detailed view of the universe to date. In December, the Orion spacecraft splashed down in the Pacific Ocean after a 25-and-a-half-day mission around the Moon, but it was NASA's DART mission that makes it into our top seven. Three, two, one. That was the sound of a successful mission like no other, as NASA's DART spacecraft intentionally crashed into a 160-metre-wide asteroid. We got it? The test was to see if, in the future, a giant rock could be nudged out of Earth's way. And in October, NASA confirmed the mission achieved its primary objective. Its success marked the first time humans had ever changed the motion of a celestial object. Now, this is a watershed moment for planetary defence and a watershed moment for humanity. That was NASA Administrator Bill Nelson at a media briefing. The target of DART's test flight was an egg-shaped asteroid named Dimorphos. It was orbiting a larger parent asteroid named Didymus once every 11 hours and 55 minutes. The aim was to fly the rocket directly into the asteroid at about 14,000 miles per hour. Telescopes on Earth tracked it, capturing the moment of impact. The hope was this would create enough force to shift the space rock to its parent asteroid. And now the team has confirmed that the spacecraft's impact altered Dimorphos orbit around Didymos by 32 minutes and therefore successfully moved its trajectory. In other words, DART shortened the 11 hour and 55 minute orbit to 11 hours and 23 minutes and it moved it in another location. And that has been confirmed by the telescopes. NASA is trying to be ready for whatever the universe throws at us. And if an asteroid was thrown our way, we now have an impressive new tool on our side. This is Nancy Shabot, DART's coordination lead. If you wanted to do this in the future, potentially, it could potentially work, but you'd want to do it years in advance. Warning time is really key here in order to enable this sort of asteroid deflection to potentially be used in the future. Another close encounter of the asteroids already in the works. In two years, Europe will send a spacecraft to study the crater left by the crash, helping to see if this really is an effective way of defending our planet. It's a medical revolution. In December, doctors hailed a new era of medicine after a study showed for the first time that a drug can slow the debilitating symptoms of Alzheimer's. The most common form of dementia, Alzheimer's is a progressive disease which involves parts of the brain that control thought, memory and language. The game-changing new drug called Lecanemab works by clearing clumps of a protein called amyloid from patients' brains, which is thought to be a key cause of Alzheimer's. This is so exciting because now we're getting results, the first results that are indicating that the drug is successfully treating the underlying cause and is slowing down the symptoms of cognitive impairment and also the behavioural symptoms associated with Alzheimer's disease. That was Dr Rima McSweeney, Medical Director of Recognition Health, a London-based cognitive health provider specialising in Alzheimer's. 
Although top-line results were released earlier this year, many doctors held back from celebrating until full results were released at the clinical trials on Alzheimer's disease conference. The full results show that lecanemab slowed the decline in memory and mental agility by 27% in patients with mild Alzheimer's. It's not a cure, but even slowing the progression would be game-changing. Speaking with Sky News, Sean Gregory, Research Information Manager at the Alzheimer's Society, explains how this could benefit patients. And essentially it's been able to slow down the uh, progression of symptoms and we think that that will give people uh, longer with more quality of life and give people longer with their families. For those living with Alzheimer's disease, this drug has been tested in people in the early stages. So that is the group of people that we think it will benefit the most. And we think in 2025, it could benefit at least 106,000 people in the UK if it is approved. As impressive as the results are, questions have been raised about the drug's safety. One in eight patients given lecanemab suffered brain swelling and some patients had bleeding in the brain. However, it's also important to note that the deaths were no higher in those receiving treatment than those given a dummy drug. There are side effects that have been acknowledged in terms of the lecanemab trial, um, but it's important to remember that clinical trials are monitoring safety information very closely and safety is of paramount importance in clinical trials and the data that's been collected on safety will be going to those regulatory bodies and they will be scrutinizing the data to see if the drug is effective and also to see if the drug is safe and they'll make a decision and essentially no drug will be approved if it's not safe and it's not effective. So in terms of next steps, the drug needs to be approved before it's available for use. This is still an experimental medicine, it's not available anywhere else. So we are waiting on uh, the decisions by regulatory bodies on whether the drug will be approved for use or not. Uh, in terms of Europe, those decisions uh, we're expecting in 2024 as the submission of the data won't be until uh, March 2023. One. Uh, today, we're here to talk about fusion combining two particles into one. At a press conference in late December, the US Department for Energy announced a major scientific breakthrough in the race to recreate nuclear fusion. Last week at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California, scientists at the National Ignition Facility achieved fusion ignition. It's the first time it has ever been done in a laboratory, anywhere in the world. Simply put, this is one of the most impressive scientific feats of the 21st century. For the first time ever, scientists successfully produced a nuclear fusion reaction. A team at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California directed 192 laser beams at the inner wall of a tiny gold cylinder that housed an even tinier fuel capsule. These laser beams bounced off the inner walls, striking and energising that fuel capsule. This all happened in less time than it takes light to move 10 feet. Marv Adams is part of the US National Nuclear Security Administration and he explained at the press conference what happened next. X-rays from the wall impinged on the spherical capsule. Fusion fuel in the capsule got squeezed. Fusion reactions started. This had all happened before, a hundred times before. But last week, for the first time, they designed this experiment so that the fusion fuel stayed hot enough, dense enough, and round enough for long enough that it ignited. 
and it produced more energies than the lasers had deposited. And if the conditions are right, the reaction will continue producing energy indefinitely. Existing nuclear power plants work through fission, splitting apart heavy atoms to create energy. It is a rich source of energy, but one which produces toxic waste, and if improperly managed, can be really dangerous. In contrast with this, an uncontrolled fusion reaction won't cause an explosion, it'll just simply stop. So what does this accomplishment mean? US Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm explained the following. First, it strengthens our national security because it opens a new realm for maintaining a safe, secure, and effective nuclear deter deterrent in an age where we do not have nuclear testing. Ignition allows us to replicate, for the first time, certain conditions that are found only in the stars and the sun. And the second thing it does, of course, is that this milestone moves us one significant step closer to the possibility of zero carbon, abundant fusion energy powering our society. Often described as a holy grail of energy, fusion is still under development and scientists have chased breakthroughs for many decades. Amid a global energy and climate crisis, nuclear fusion won't be ready in time to solve these problems, but each breakthrough is a step towards a safe, infinite power source becoming a reality. This has been The Sunday 7. Wherever you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am with the regular Smart 7. Have a great rest of your weekend. Produced and published by Daft Doris. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.